This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Good morning. Good morning, Professor Ward Scott. Actually, Coach Hogg here right now in the Coach Hogg locker room. And uh, thanks, production, for getting us off smoothly today. It's a uh, brand new week, but it's the last week of August. So, we're moving right through what has been our hot summer, and I'll be reporting a little bit more in detail on that at the uh, half of the hour because it's uh, beginning to show a little indication of perhaps some uh, unrest in the Atlantic for us to deal with, but we'll wait and see what happens. Um, a lot to talk about today, and, and um, it's uh, kind of interesting what's happening in the sports scene. I just want to start out with an acknowledgement here in Coach Hall's locker room of a kind of a phenomenal a phenom, if you will. I first saw this player when he was a um, high school kid. And he came with Teddy Dupay. They were on, the, I think, the high school All-American Florida team. And they came to, uh, as, as best I remember, Santa Fe Gym, where they came in to play another team. And uh, Teddy Dupay and Udonis Haslam. And Udonis Haslam was a high school kid then out of Miami. And we noticed right then he looked like a grown man already. He pretty much, as a high school kid, looks essentially like he does right now. But in case you haven't known or kept up with Udonis Haslam, who had a stellar career here at the University of Florida, he's been with the Miami Heat now uh, for his 20th NBA season. And what you might remember is initially he wasn't picked up by the NBA, if I recall properly. He went to Europe and played for a while and then came back and was picked up by the NBA and Miami Heat right there in his hometown. And he's now 42 years old. Uh, he announced Sunday at his basketball camp that he's going to go ahead and ink one more contract with the Miami Heat. He was uh, at Miami High, which was where he started and where I first saw him come from as he came here with other talented players that year in his high school year. Um, this is really remarkable uh, that um, his deal for one year is $2.9 million, uh, but um, uh, the, the author, the Miami has extended the offer uh, about two months ago. And who knows, they might just keep extending them because one of the things that Udonis Haslam does is he's really a kind of a mentor, an example for the younger players coming along. And they look up to him. He's uh, been very helpful in that respect the coaches say, of the Miami Heat. And he's had a tremendous impact uh, with his presence and his leadership on the team. Um, what's interesting, there have only been two other players, Dirk Nokowitz and Kobe Bryant, uh, Los Angeles Lakers and the Dallas Mavericks. They're the only other two NBA players uh, to play 20 or more seasons for the same team. Um, that, that is really, when you think about it, rather remarkable. It's um, being that kind of category with those two guys, Kobe Bryant and Dirk Nowitzki. No Nowitzki, Nowinski, I'm sorry, Nowinski. Now, he's, Haslam is a three-time NBA champion with Miami, and he's the franchise's all-time leader in rebounds. Um, um, he was just always able to go to the boards, and he's a rough, tough kid. Um, and um, he, he's always been a big presence, although he's not the tallest guy there. So this is the 11th contract that Udonis Haslam has signed with the Heat, and it's the um, seventh consecutive summer, this all according to the AP, uh, which he signed a deal with the team. Now, his father recently died a year ago, so he spent the only time he's ever spent away from the Miami Heat was during that time and grief for his father's passing. Um, 
42 years old, uh, he is really a kind of uh, phenom, of course, not only with the Miami Heat, but in the world of sports. Now, some of these players that are reaching their 40s, I'm going to talk about in a moment. Of course, the other well-known one that has a big uh, day coming up today is Serena Williams. So when you get into the 40s, as has Roger Federer, uh, it's a different world, having been there myself a long, long time ago. You know, it's very interesting in looking back when you've got several decades under your belt, so to speak, what each decade represents. It's funny, but uh, they say in the first decade, up to 10 years of age, anything that happens to you traumatically then, like the death of a father or something like that, you don't much remember in later life because 10 is kind of the cutoff period. Um, there's a world of differences, I understand, it, between 10 and 12. If, if something happens at age 12, you tend to remember it more. Those are important years. I can remember looking back on things that happened in our family when I was um, that age. And uh, it was um, it was not uh, it was not uh, uh, something that I necessarily recall. So um, the um, next decade, of course, is a, a joyful one if you're fortunate to get out of puberty and adolescence and into the uh, young teen years with uh, your sanity and your, you know, you haven't g- gone nuts and been influenced by the wrong peer group and all that. Why uh, the, uh, you then have um, up to the 20 and then the really great decades at 10 to 30. You can do just about anything you want to do with yourself in 10 to 30. Um, it's, it's as long as you've got, you haven't done too many harmful things for yourself in uh, uh, 10 to 20. You can do anything you want to 20 to 30. This is what I'm talking, 20 to 30. And then 30 begins to change a little bit. You can still keep going if you're well-trained and you're lucky and you haven't encountered any any accidents or anything like that. You can still keep going. And you're seeing that with uh, some of the the guys uh, now in their pro sports. And yes, I don't know if I can do anything about this chatter. Uh, there is an arrow up there on the screen, but I don't know if production can take that down or not. Um, there it goes. It's down. Uh, thank you very much for calling my attention to that. Um, the, um, so Haslam is the oldest player to appear in each of the past two NBA seasons. He got into 13 games with Miami last season. He's just averaging 2.5 points and 1.9 rebounds. But uh, he's there, and obviously they care enough to make him a member of the team and pay him uh, two point, almost $3 million for – I don't know what that figure is. I don't want to do the math, figure out what that cost, that, that, that cost per point or cost per rebound. But that's that, – I guess you got money to burn. Uh, there you are. That's, that's the way it is in the big time. Well, uh, the other lady uh, – well, the lady – uh, who's about the age of Udonis, of course, it's in the news today and will be tonight. She plays tonight is Serena Williams, possibly playing her last, uh, her, uh, her last uh, singles match in the big time, certainly probably in the U.S. Open. And uh, that's, uh, uh, that's the way it happens. And uh, she may continue doubles. She could probably continue doubles with her sister for quite a while. But, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that fourth decade, and there she is. I don't know if she'll win tonight or not. She's um, heavier than she's ever been. She hits as powerfully, but she just doesn't move as well. And in watching the attrition of age, I can tell you that that's one of the things that goes are your legs. And if you still got your legs with you when you get lo- older and you can still run and you still got quick reflexes while uh, you're doing a great, you, you're doing great. So you can see her begin to slow down. Or things start to happen just from the wear and tear of the surface on which you play on these hard courts. Um, Federer has a knee problem. Uh, Nadal, who has an unorthodox kind of twisted, tortured type of delivery that only he can do, um, is, is having his problems. But he's back one more time. He's a tough guy, of course. But the other big guy that's not going to be there, and those of you who have issues with COVID vaccinations, this should set the set you off a little bit. You know, the COVID vaccination has divided people politically. It's divided the families. It's divided um, uh, conversations. There are the uh, 
Um, they're the people never will never get vaccinated because it's the unexplored type of RNA. And then there's those who absolutely uh, think it's the salvation. And um, then you have the politicalization of this issue. And nowhere has it been more prominent than in the tennis world and in New York City. Novak Djokovic is the number one singles player in the world. At Wimbledon, he had a thrilling match with uh, with uh, Kyrgios and proved that he is at his peak as a player. I think he's 37 years old now. He's a 21-time Grand Slam champion. But guess what? He will not be at the U.S. Open. Because why? He is one who refuses to be vaccinated for COVID. He is... Uh, uh, Hoping, he had been hoping that the U.S. might, well, particularly New York, would uh, relax its rules about admitting non-citizens unvaccinated in time uh, uh, for COVID-19 and time for him to play at the U.S. Open. But, um, you know, they haven't done it. And his time ran out on Thursday, uh, three days before play is due to start. Um, He said he would not be flying to New York. Uh, he's a 21-time Grand Slam champion, as I've said. Uh, he's skipping the U.S. Open, um, and um, it will not be the same without him. Uh, he's, um, um, his announcement came fewer than two hours before the unveiling of the draw. So um, you'll have some other people there who, of course, Daniel Mendelev, he's got a problem because he's a Russian, uh, but he's okay here. He wasn't okay at Wimbledon. So the politicalization of the sport is always, any sport is it's always a sad situation because it punishes the players. Um, the, um, uh, there's a lot of irony surrounding Djokovic being denied in 2022. He was allowed to compete in 2021 before the travel rules were in place. And, and he, he reached the final uh, where he, he lost to Mendev, Mendev, Mendev uh, Tough to say that Russian name, but many times as I see it. Uh, but he is not going to be there this year. He is um, uh, a victim of this politicalization of the rules. Now, um, there are other players who've just gone right along with the with the decree and have gotten vaccinated and have no issue with it. The other thing that's going to be different for those of you who study this sport is that for the first time, there's going to be coaching allowed. Now, coaching has been taboo up until this time. And I got to tell you that I think the pressure came from uh, uh, the Greek player whose father would sit in the stands and coach him and coach him. And, uh, uh, you know, the other players complained about it. Um, the, 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 um, the chair umpire didn't ever seem to do anything about it until one time there was such a, a, a strenuous complaint about it that the referee actually sent a person underneath the stands where uh, this um, uh, player's father was sitting, uh, and they're Greek, and uh, uh, Stephanos, uh, uh, his father, uh, um, was speaking to him and coaching him, and the Greek umpire could understand it, and therefore... Uh, he got the Greek people got uh, um, fined and contradicted for this coaching. So this has been very controversial, probably uh, because of this pressure. The other pressure came from the time when Serena showed the bad side of herself when she threatened the chair umpire or take, penalizing her for getting coaching from her coach in the stands. And she said she called Ramos, who was the chair umpire, a thief, and then proceeded to lose to Osaka. And Osaka, of course, cried. And so it was quite a controversy. The old guard, like Chris Everett, John McEnroe, who played without coaching, um, and new, some of the new guys, like uh, Taylor Fritz, they don't think there should be any coaching at all. They think that you're a player out there, The whole one of the whole challenges of the game is to keep uh, your mind involved and outwit the other guy. The mental part is as much of the game uh, uh, as the physical part. 
So, you know, your coach is not out there with you. It's totally unlike football where it's, you can't be on the field without coaching intrusion. Uh, they, 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 those players can't, can't uh, go to the huddle without coaching intrusion. Uh, let's say coaching advice, coaching orders, really. But tennis is held out against that as an individual sport. Uh, the caddies in golf kind of get coaching from their – I mean, the, play, the golfers kind of get coaching from their caddies. Uh, so that's uh, sort of been acceptable all along. They've been given advice about uh, what, what to do and how to do it and what to use to do it. Uh, that's sort of been okay. Of course, the basketball is coached and uh, all that kind of business. But um, I don't know what this is going to end up. It's an experiment till the end of the year. I, here's where it's going to be a real problem. Down in the junior leagues where the parents interfere all the time, um, you know, it is such a pain in the rear to have a protective mother uh, interfering with the play while you're trying to umpire a, a game between two 12-year-old kids, each of whom is pretty talented and having a good match. But the mother's sitting there hollering, he cheated, or that call was out when it was in, and then vice versa. That's where you're going to have your real problem. Now, up until now, we've been able to, as umpires, evict those parents. Well, we can still do that. We can evict anybody we want to who's disrupting the game. But uh, the, 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 the proliferation of activity among the youth is all over the place. And it's a, not an unusual story for parents to interfere with umpires and coaches and players and all the descriptions when their kid's out there in the field and they're pushing their kid on the court of the field to try to make this kid into something perhaps the kid doesn't have the ability to be, uh, that becomes an issue and has been one for quite some time. So I don't know how that is going to work out. John McEnroe, of course, and uh, Chris Everett are not in favor of it. Um, they never had it when they were playing. Chris Everett had to figure out how to beat Martina Vatilova on her own. John McEnroe had to figure out how to beat Yvonne Lendl on his own. So uh, we'll see um, uh, what how it um, works out. The uh, um, U- U.S. Open is going to be a, a laboratory for that this time. So the other last story, I'm sure you could not av- avoid it as I could not, and that was the last of the preseason NFL games and my golly they're all over the place and it seems to me as if they've added more and more and more announcers to this spectacle than they've ever had I mean these people are constantly analyzing everything from shoestrings to to girlfriends to down and distance it's just uh, it's just well I don't know if you want to say worse depends upon your toleration for it uh, but it's, it's just more than it's ever been before. Uh, the contracts are so big. The TV commitment's so big. Uh, so much money involved. In, uh, it's just it's not going to get any better if you uh, don't like all these guys analyzing everything that goes on. Every once in a while, there used to be a funny one. Don Meredith was a funny one in, uh, uh, in, in football. Dizzy Dean was a fu- funny one in baseball. Uh, his his buddy Pee Wee Reese, those guys had some sort of uh, personality to them and were entertaining to listen to. Um, it is, well, it's just the way it's become now. I don't know of any. Howard Cosell had a kind of a, uh, had a presence once upon a time, although he was irritating as could be, but um, they were well-known announcers. And now you've got lesser lights doing big games. I, I, I watched some, a couple of, games that I didn't even know who the guys were. And you, you've got females now announcing the NFL male sport. So that's another thing that's come. And you even got them down on the field uh, among uh, all the testosterone there, calling the down and distance and enforcing the rules. So that's one of the things that's evolved uh, over the years. And it's, uh, it is what it is, as they say. So, uh, the uh, Coach Hogg's locker room has really reported on uh, the last part of this I call the football craze. It's going to be upon us like you've never seen. Uh, the big jury that's out right now, of course, is what will be the 
resolve the latest uh, checkbook, uh, uh, the check from the booster checkbook for the University of Florida football team? Will it bring return on the investment, you know, in Heaven or Hall, the $85 million deal, I guess, and, you know, the coaches and the salaries for the assistant coaches and the name image likeness and the transfer portal and all that business. Is this actually going to produce uh, a better product that will engage more fans and a hysterical kind of attachment to their favorite? Uh, We'll see. Uh, We'll see. Uh, I think the criticism level is getting higher, at least among my peer group, and they've been around for quite a, a, a number of versions of the Florida Gators. I go back to the uh, days of uh, uh, Lindy Infante and those people in 1961, and when we had wooden stands on the east uh, side, wooden stands in the south end zone, very low seats in the north end zone, and a big victory bell. So um, the... Uh, the uh, whole course has changed, but there's big stadium renovations that are coming up for the University of Florida, which oddly enough, all these years, I never noticed until I got in my older years, that there are no handrails anywhere in the state stadium for people going up and down the steps. And there are geriatrics, so to speak, who come to those games. So the plan is in the next couple of years for that stadium to be renovated yet again to actual the actual number of seats in it to be reduced to make a way for wider aisles and, and hand railings. And so that will take place, as I understand it, over the next couple of years. And we'll see how all that plays out. But right now, this group is entirely untested. Uh, nobody knows anybody much down there. Uh, nobody's made a presence, although some, to some extent uh, the quarterback has because he was around last year. Uh, we got a new coach, new staff, new this, new that, and we'll just have to see. But nevertheless, it's going to be uh, one of those um, uh, type of activities that's going to be carefully watched. The ticket situation, of course, has changed. Um, these phones, it's, uh, it's assumed now everybody has a phone, so there are no paper tickets. As I understand it, you get your tickets and you present your phone. So everybody's got to have a phone to get in the game, practically. Uh, you show your phone and they scan it, and that's your ticket. Uh, who would have thunk it? I mean, really, who would ever have thunk it? Um, 85,000 people must have a phone to get in. I'm sure there's some kind of exceptions, but not many. So you got to have your phone to get in, and they scan your ticket, and we'll see how that works out. But um, go early and plan on maybe somebody at the head of the line not knowing what's going on. Also, you've got the eternal problem of parking and transportation. Uh, There will be buses that leave uh, from uh, the uh, um, shopping center out there uh, in the Oaks and maybe a couple other places. But other than that, uh, you you got to really hustle for a parking spot or in somebody's yard. They make money quite a bit off of this as the season goes along. So uh, that's um, kind of where we are in Coach Hogg's locker room. It's um, no show for Djokovic. Uh, the last hurrah for Serena, coaching from the, uh, the sidelines for the players. Um, the uh, Udonis hanging around for one more season at age 42, joining that group of Roger Federer's and, and uh, Serena Williams's and people who are in their 40s who are trying to squeeze one more ounce of youth out of their old bodies before they have to kiss it goodbye once and for all, which is a sad kind of day, but it happens. I'm telling you, you just can't avoid it. And um, I want to take a a break a little bit early today because when I come back, I want to have an uninterrupted, uh, if I can, uh, presentation here on the update on, on, uh, on voting and what's been picked up by big time press of our good buddy, our chief investigator, instigator, uh, Mark Glazer. So if I get the uh, okay from production, um, I'm going to try to go out about for a halftime break here about five minutes early, if that's okay. Um, See if I get uh, 
Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Maurice T. McDaniel, Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com. And click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. Warthog. He's gonna come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. All right, welcome back here. It's Ward's Weather Report. Thanks to Lewis Oil for sponsoring this. And I got to tell you, my friends, I'm getting reports from people of how bad in our location here, uh, and we are, of course, uh, uh, in the Warthog Command Center in the Melton Law Studio. Melton Law, with 50 years of experience, is the only uh, official law firm partner of the University of Florida, Gators, and uh, won't back down. Of course, we're protected uh, by crime prevention uh, 24-7, 365, cpss.net. But... In the piney woods of north central Florida here where we are, it has really been an interesting rain event. And that in certain places, they've been getting heavy red cells dumping, dumping, dumping. And then, you know, a mile or two away, you don't get that type of inundation. But I remember I said the other day during one of our Lewis Oil weather moments that this county slopes downhill. Now, one of the ways to kind of know this is here in north central Florida, my well, for example, goes down to 225 feet to the Florida aquifer. But in Miami, the aquifer is only a few feet below the surface. So that's a big underground river that is, is, is a source of a lot of well water here in the state of Florida. So if you take a look, Payne's Prairie drains this, and down on that end, as, as, as you know, I'm, we don't have to go much farther than uh, 23rd. And those subdivisions are flooded. The back of Tioga is flooded. And we're not getting out of the rainy season. There's more coming. This week is supposed to be the same sort of situation. Intermittent showers. And it's getting cooler. Right now, it's about 86 degrees for the high. Um and that's going to be four, several degrees lower than we've been, but we're going to be getting more rain. And then we've got a couple of 
systems, as they call them, out in the Atlantic that are kind of suspicious and could develop in, if not hurricanes, at least rain events. So if you're high and dry, count yourself lucky because, and the other thing that happens is sinkholes. And we've got sinkholes all over the southern part of 241 and out towards Newberry, along Newberry Road. And we've got some in town in the city of Gainesville itself. So that's problematic, too, when we have these heavy torrential rain events like this. So that's really the story today about the weather here in the state of Florida. We have too much water and we really didn't have any drought conditions, although we had a dry month there. But we didn't have drought like they had out in Texas and places like that. But even with our ability, Florida is kind of like a big sponge. If you get up in a, in a small plane over Florida, you tend to think of Florida no longer as land with lakes, but ocean with islands. Because everywhere you look, you see water, standing water. That's Florida. So this standing water can only be used by the land to a certain extent, and then it's got to go somewhere. And we're experiencing that here in and around Alachua County. So that's my weather for today. I think it's probably going to be much more the same as I look at the drainage ditches and all. Take a look at them. They are full. So be cautious, be careful. I took a break early today because our good friend who's been, he and I have been working together since 2012 and that is Mark Glazer. We've been investigating things for you um, and uh, sharing them with you, posting on Ward's bulletin board, things that never make it into the Gainesville Sun. They should, uh, maybe once in a while into Channel 20. Um, so we've been doing it for a long, long time. And we've been covering for a long time uh, this voter beep story with you. And initially, about the only place you heard about it was on the Ward Scott files. Um, our good friend Jennifer Cabrera picked up the story once in a while, but we kept it going constantly. We kept it, we fed it out. Breitbart picked it up eventually and published it. Politico began to publish it. And we began to get, as they say, some traction for this story. Because as you know, the narrative about voter beep is that it never occurred. And if it did occur, it, it, it occurred in such statistical and consequential uh, proportions that there's no um, use talking about it. So we had that headwind as we kept uh, pushing against it and pushing against it. And now there really is an interesting development. Uh, production has posted this or will be soon posting it out on the, the, uh, uh, Ward's Hot Bulletin Board. It's printed uh, in something called City and State Florida uh, com, and you can take a look at this. A very interesting article. So I'm going to go through it with you. And there's a line in here that has it exactly right, and that's why I called today's show the Instigators Investigators Footsteps. The Investigators Footsteps, because Mark, our investigator has been the trailblazer, and now, by golly, the state of Florida is walking in his footsteps. As you know, the governor uh, has a new statewide elections uh, committee. Uh, it's opened a new front on in the war on voter beep, and it's uh, been picked up by now a lot of news services. The head of the Office of Election Crimes and Security is Pete Antonacci. Um, and he is Tallahassee region's top prosecutor, but then attorney, attorney Jack Campbell was. Um, and he and Campbell and Antonacci worked together. And Antonacci sent Campbell recently a list of 22 convicted sex offenders. They all voted illegally in the November 2020 general election. Now, sex offenders never get their rights back. 
Murderers never get their rights back. How could you? You can no, never pay the victims. There's no financial stipend that you could use to pay the victims. So uh, the Campbell has now taken up uh, and he's told, uh, Antonucci has told Campbell, let's get to work on it. And Campbell is assigning two veteran prosecutors to looking into the cases. So the elections statewide committee is going to ramp up its earnest commitment to seeing this through to its natural born end. And we don't know where it's going to end, but we've got finally the state on our side. So, uh, Meanwhile, of course, prepare yourself for the same old song and dance from Christ. Christ is going to be playing the harp, criticizing these investigations into these solid illegal criminal activities as intimidation tactics. Get ready for it. I want you to know what you're going to hear. Uh, He's going to call DeSantis names and say that he is a dictator and all these things and that these are intimidation tactics and that DeSantis is playing politics, that he's intimidating Democratic voters and that he's doing all this in order to get attention to run for president. Um, This is not about securing a left. This is the same old song and crippled dance uh, that Christ has been singing, Democrats have been singing forever. But here is the most important paragraph with the most important line in this article. The citizen investigator has been ferreting out voter B. And you know why I have to say B? Because the little millennials with their algorithms are sitting on ready to censor us if they hear the F-bomb. I'm not talking about the F-bomb that ends with a K. I'm talking about the F-bomb that ends with a D. So, and Antonacci, who's a lawyer, and he's a longtime fix-it person for the Florida governors, and here's the sentence written by the writer of this article, and I just love this sentence because, by golly, she got it right. Tristan Wood wrote this, all right? Tristan wrote, that Antonacci is following, are you ready for this, in Glazer's footsteps when it comes to ferreting out voter B. Now, how about that, my friends? The head of DeSantis' election police committee is following in the footsteps of Mark Glazer. And we have been, let me just, let me just stop here for a moment. We have been feeding this story right along to the Gainesville sunset. Why didn't the Gainesville sunset write this article? Why did it take this publication called the City State Florida to write this article? Here is a local guy. Here is a local show, the Ward Scott Files, with a citizen's bulletin board that we maintain for your information. I want to thank production because every time I ask them to please put something on the bulletin board, they hop to it and put it right on the board. We do this as a community service. All we ask in return is that you donate once in a while or if you can, sponsor us. Because we have to sometimes pay for this information. And I appreciate the people who who do sponsor us and I tremendously appreciate all of y'all and the ones who donate to us and you know who you are. The Gainesville Sunset would never, ever, ever have printed this article. And they had all this information, all this time, 
and they wonder why they're going out of business? Channel 20, bless their hearts. I've got nothing against them. They just don't have any time. They got young kids over there who are cutting their teeth in the media business. And then they, as soon as they get kind of semi-professional, they move on. We've been doing this stuff for a long time. We're not new to this game. We know what we're doing. I want to read the sentence again. Antonacci, a lawyer and longtime fix-it man for Florida governors, is following in Glazer's footsteps when it comes to ferreting out voter beep. For months, the Alachua County resident and retired data researcher, I always like it the way they try to describe him because it's not easy to describe him. He, he doesn't fit conveniently into little labels. Anyway, he's been on the trail of felons illegally casting ballots in the state. How about that, my friends? And then this article goes into all the jail inmates, which we have been keeping you up to date on. Five of them, as the latest we heard, are going to be asking for a trial. Now, uh, let me just stop here for a moment and segue into Kim Barton. There is a lot of growing I'm just going to tell you, you're going to hear it first here. Growing conversation about the governor removing her. I don't know if it's going to happen or not. She has badly screwed up several times, but this last time, with not having all those ballots for Republicans, that is not sitting well. I'm just telling you that right now. That's all I can say about it. That's all I really know about it. But I've gotten a lot of calls informing me that's not going over very well. I don't know what's going to happen, but it goes all the way back. Let me, you know, as a, as a, as a, as a person said to me just yesterday, this person said, am I supposed to believe that those guys in jail, more than anything else while they're in jail here in Lachua County, wanted to vote? And so they demanded that T.J. Pichet come and sign them up so they vote? Am I supposed to believe that that was what was on those people their minds? Yeah. Yeah. I guess you are supposed to believe that. Now, this is going to become an interesting who did what to whom and why and where and what. Because there are a lot of these guys who are, are saying, hey, listen, I would never have voted had somebody not come along and told me I could. Now, Kramer, before the dust has even settled on these investigations, before there's even been a trial, has exonerated the supervisor elections. I don't know how that's going to go over either. But I can tell you that there is a lot of conversation about removing Kim Barton. I don't know if it'll happen, but I'm going to tell you, you're going to hear it here first. You're not, you haven't heard it in the Gainesville Sun. I don't know of any radio show that says it. So we've been informing you of this for quite a while. And now this is really beginning to grow because we're finding it in other counties and we're getting other state attorneys involved and we're getting other supervisors elections involved. And I also shared with you Friday uh, the letter from Antonacci with the one supervisor who had decided on his own, oh, well, I'm not going to pursue these. And he got a letter. I got the letter right here. He got it from Antonacci. And he said, oh, yeah, buddy, you better think twice of that. Uh, here it is right here. I'll probably have that um, if I can get it over to the uh, production later on today. Dear Supervisor Hayes, this is Alan Hayes of Tavares. Dear Supervisor Hayes, 
I write to bring your attention to a matter of great public importance. Well, 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 well. And this is coming from Peter Antonacci, who is, as I say, head of the Office of Election Crimes and Security. Aha, aha. So you think, Mr. Supervisor Hayes in Tavares County, that you're going to fly counter to the governor's interest in this? Here's a letter I strongly advise you look at and you pay a little attention to. And we'll see. That's the way I read that letter. That's the way I would read it if I got it. And we already know that we had a guy who thought he could go his own way and the governor removed him as a state attorney. You know, can you imagine what this state would have been like if Gillum had been the president, the governor? Wow, 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 wow. And here's the thing where I want to quote Mark because he's absolutely dead on. And he and I have talked about this for a long time. And I don't have an answer and he doesn't have an answer. The um, paragraph begins, well, it lists all the things that Mark has found and that they know about. He's found a lot more than they're in this article. But um, it says, and I'll quote from the article, Glazer said it would have been easy for the Department of State or supervisor of elections offices across the state to have poked around. And by that, we mean to audit your voter rolls. What are you doing? You're being paid six figures a year. You're not auditing your voter rolls. Now, Chris would say, if you audit them, that's voter suppression. Just keep that in mind. That's the, that's the little harp that the Democrats are going to pay. They don't say anything about 100 or so ballots missing in High Springs. I ain't heard the Democrat Party saying that was wrong. So here's the quote from Mark. Quote, the concerning thing to me is that a private citizen has to put their name out there But the people that are getting paid to do the job, they did next to nothing. And I've talked about that for a long, long time. Some of the stuff that I'm doing here on the Ward Scott Files, why have I got to do it? Why have I got to do it? Why isn't it being done? By the Gainesville Sunset? By the radio stations? TV stations? Why is it being done? Why do they have to go over here, the Gainesville Sunset, and yank out of the bad gum office a guy who's making six figures a year, Dan Smith, the chair of the political science department, to let him run his yak about stuff. We know what he's going to say. He hates DeSantis. And by the way, if that guy hates DeSantis and he's a huge lefty, What do you think it's like to work for him in that department? You better be a lefty, too. I'm going to tell you how department chairs work. Department chairs hire images of themselves. That guy's been around forever singing the same old dull song. And here's what else Mark says, and I agree totally. The people who are getting paid to protect us and safeguard the voter rolls and the databases are totally asleep at the wheel. Now, is there a law against that? There ought to be. There ought to be a law against it. Can you be lazy and incompetent and Draw a check and be held unaccountable. It, it sure as heck looks like it. And then the voters, they the voters, they don't know. I can't. It was embarrassing. The requests I got from the people in this community about who to vote for and what to vote for. And could they vote for? These people weren't 
I mean, these people were accountants and doctors, and I, and I was embarrassed they had to ask me. I never told them that. I'm thinking, what in the heck? And they've given to political campaigns. I mean, that's what really got me. I mean, they stroke a check or some guy taps on the door. And, and they, they calling me because they don't know, A, whom to vote for, and B, if they can. I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a strange world. It's a strange world. Um, meanwhile, I got a research team member who sent me this. I, I want to thank this person for this. Gone in to look at Ch uh, Charlie Chris, Lieutenant Governor nominee. It's a woman named Carla Hernandez Matz. And she's vice president of the American Federation of Teachers. Randy Weingarten's Teachers Union. Last year, parents across the country showed up at school board meetings to protest COVID mandates, critical race theory indoctrination, racial, racial gender ideology. You know, we're going to have that all come back here probably in Alachua County. So uh, Merrick Garland uh, threatened to sue the FBI to... Uh, 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 to intimidate parents for the crime of being concerned about their kids' education. The DOJ memo smeared parents as domestic terrorists. This new Christ has got for, uh, listen, I'm going to tell you something now, you better be informed. If you, just, if you just go down the doggone handle and pull the Ds because that's what you always done, you really need to have your voting rights taken away. I mean, I, I really do, because you're not doing it. You're not doing a voting. You, you're just like, you're like the cattle out here. If I go out here to the fence where I have given the cattle range cubes, okay? Now, once I gave those cattle range cubes at that point at the fence, when they see me come to the fence, they come to the fence because they think I got range cubes. This is the way people are who automatically vote D's. They just go to the fence. They don't have any idea whether, and they just go there like a herd mentality. This woman advocates for indoctrinating children with critical race theory, racial gender ideology. She's claimed that systemic racism permeates American society at every level and that that should be taught to kids. She promotes anti-racist trainings for teachers. And she is a believer in white privilege, that people have white privilege. There, I mean, this, this fits perfectly. I mean, it, you know, it's something Chris would do. It's exactly what he would fix. I have no problem with this. Now, you can investigate it on your own. And, 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 and this, is, this is a publication that is being put out by uh, a Republican group but you can go, I bet, I bet you go look at the Democrat group and they won't bring up any of this. She's pro-defund the police. She thinks law enforcement's racist. Well, where do you want to stop? She, pay, she praises Joe Biden. Uh, let's see, what else does she do? She um, pushes and lobbies for the unions. It goes on and on. I just thought it, I, I, I lurked here. I've heard enough to know that it makes perfect sense. This per, makes perfect sense. Carla Hernandez Matz, a teacher for Lieutenant Governor. You've got to be kidding me. You cannot be serious, as John McEnroe would say. I want to conclude a little bit here. I've got how much time left? About five minutes. With uh, it's all about college, but I, you know, I, maybe I don't have time to do it. But um, let me just hit some highlights. You know, I was in the college world 
for 40 years. All right. I was in academia for 40 years. I know academia, believe me. The entire time I've been in academia, I've seen the cost of tuition go up, the cost of books go up. Um, and I swear, the book thing is a huge racket, particularly in the humanities where Shakespeare is Shakespeare is Shakespeare. I bought the complete works of Shakespeare for Shakespeare's tragedy course, which I took at the University of Florida in 1963 for $6.76 from the Florida bookstore. Everything in it, all of them, everything. The last time I was in a classroom, which was a while back, 10 years, they did what I call stir the pot. They'll put in a little something new in a textbook. They'll still have Shakespeare in there, but they'll surround it with new stuff, different stuff. And therefore, the old book you can't use because the new book has stuff in it the old book doesn't have. Not that the old book wasn't just as good as the new book, but this forces you to buy yet another series of books at more money. And the students get less money for the used book because that used book is no good for a student who's going to take the course and wants to get a deal on a book because it's been changed. I've seen this racket go on forever. Forever, forever, forever. Um, according to a review in a journal, um, since 1980, the average annual cost to attend a four-year public uh, college has increased ninefold from 22,690 to 51,690. The average debt for a master's degree is 71,000, rounding us off. For a doctoral, it's 150, 160,000. Yet the median salary in the humanities for this doctoral is 55,000. And in social science, about 70,000. Let me tell you how the colleges really work. Santa Fe College, no exception. About when I was there, 65% of the classroom teachers were adjuncts. Adjuncts got no retirement, no health care, less money, longer hours, same degrees as the full-time guys. Well, why didn't the college hire them full-time? Because it's a lot cheaper to run your college with 65% of the faculty adjunct. At the university, it's called teaching assistants. I was a teaching assistant at the university. I taught classes at the University of Florida. While I was in graduate school, I was a deal for the University of Florida. It was a deal for me, too, because I was being paid to get a, a master's. About working for it, though, working for it. I hollered about it all the time when I was the Senate president. I told the adjuncts they had no vote in the Senate. I finally got the colleagues to allow the adjuncts to have one representative who represented the interest of the 65% of the people on the faculty who weren't full time. This is the way it's run. You don't pay the teachers anything, but you charge them on the leg to get the degree. And you certainly don't emphasize the trades. Because you don't get as much, you're not getting any money forgiveness from Biden for the trades. You're only getting it for the academics. I'll go into this a little more deeply for you at some point. I maybe have a whole show on it. But just remember, 65% of the faculty at the college where I work, at the time I work, were part-timers who worked full-time without medical insurance, 
and without retirement and without any guarantee they'd be employed from semester to semester. Thanks so much for a good production, smooth production with production today. And thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll keep you posted as a community forum. Uh, let us hear from you. Warthog Command Center out.